Well, good morning and welcome to Grace Life Church. Glad that each one's here. I want to say happy Father's Day to everyone here this morning. Thank God for spiritual men. Amen. And uh, <clears throat> I don't know how we was all raised different ways and fathers and we all uh, love and care for our fathers. Some of them may have different experiences, better, maybe some not as good as others. I don't know. But ultimately, what we're really doing is we want to uh, think of Abba Father, our, our father, father. You know, your, your, your father was a, was a young man and he was a boy and he was a child and someone said, it's a boy. And uh, so the, they aren't perfect by any stretch of imagination, but God didn't call us to be fathers or mothers because we're perfect. But he gave us a book right here and he gave us his Holy Spirit. And, if, and, we, and with that information, uh, we can be exactly who we are called to be. We can be the leaders we're called to be, men and women. And so I just want to uh, thank God and thank you for the, the men that are, are here this morning and in this church that have made um, this ministry uh, strong, really, really strong. Uh, before we uh, came on air, uh, Elliot was receiving the offering. He talked about things that we've done to, we've been able to do to hear abroad in the community and, and, uh, and, and, and missions um, for the last three years, uh, actually four years. We just increased every year in what we're doing in the community, but we're doing it into the world. Uh, we're broadcasting. Uh, we started this a number of years ago, but kind of got more serious by the last few years. Uh, I kind of, be honest, we had to be pushed into it just a little bit, but uh, I had a good, a good and kind pusher, and uh, so we're 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 ministering to, uh, several different ways. Uh, you may be watching by Facebook, or you can certainly view on YouTube. Uh, we're live there both times simultaneously. And then we uh, go into an audio broadcast. And then uh, that, the audio uh, of this morning will go and it'll be dispersed by different ways and means. And it'll go into over 40 countries. Uh, we have an active listening audience. Every, every time the mic is turned on around the world, we have an active listening audience of over 1,100 people. And so we thank God for the uh, ability to, uh, and the privilege that we have to, to preach the gospel. The, uh, the Bible, Paul said, the great and effectual door has been opened unto me. Uh, I thank him for that. Verse doesn't end there. Uh, the last part of that verse says, and, and when the door is open, you'll find out there's many adversaries. <laughs> so we don't always want to quote the whole verse, but <laughs> there's an opportunity. But, the, but when the, there's an opportunity, there's always an enemy. Uh, but that's okay because that's what we're doing. We are equipping ourselves uh, with the Word of God. We have the tools in front of us and we have the, in, within, within us to effectively do the work that we're called to do and be fruitful in it. Um, this is a, uh, a, a good, uh, according to my opinion, whatever that means, this is a good place for us to really dig in. Um, I'm trying to... Uh, I'm trying to say this is a great time to listen if you haven't been listening. Amen. Uh, here and going forward, uh, I, I don't generally come with notebooks like this. I came Friday with a notebook like this, and I, was, I came up here just to, to, uh, to actually pray. And I don't, but I don't ever pray. I don't go anywhere and pray without something to write with and without this. So if you don't have something to write with, then you're not expecting God to say nothing to you. Of course, you can write in your phone and all that kind of stuff. Uh, if you know how to do that and like to do it that way, you can certainly do that. But here, but here's the deal. Um, so I, uh, I was up here and I wrote, I don't know, 
I had no intention to write anything unless you said anything, and, and it uh, came into 10 pages. Uh, for those of you who wasn't here last week, um, we're in the series, you know, Stop Opposing Yourself. Could name it a lot of things. Um, you know, stop opposing your, your miracle, stop opposing your, your financial blessings, stop uh, opposing yourself and healing or whatever, or, or, you know, whatever the situation might be. Just make it work for what, you know, whatever is working on in your life. But um, um, if you hadn't watched it, go back to the broadcast. Uh, also, and I mentioned this, but just want to remind you, if you, go, if you go to the website, you'll be a place there where you can see there's a transcript uh, of, you know, in written form of everything said. Now, it's not exactly 100% accurate. Uh, probably if I would speak better English more plainly, you could pick up the words better. So sometimes it's like, huh? But it misses so few words. Uh, so you can actually go read it, or if you wanted to, you can print it off and, and, and uh, if you want to keep it in your files, if you have a file. So uh, with all that to work with, I don't know how to help you anymore. <laughs> uh, tell them, show them, they can listen, they can watch, they can pull it off, they can, get a, you know, they can transcribe it because sometimes, uh, I remember going to Bible school, I, I, I wasn't that great a note taker when uh, Michelle and I was at Rama, uh, Michelle was a, uh, is a great note taker. So I, uh, I listen really well. Um, you know, when you move, when you move seven, 800 miles to do something you thought you would never do and you're there, uh, I did not always pay attention to school. I wasn't that great a student because I wasn't that interested. I wish I had been and I should have been, but I wasn't. But at this stage of my life, I was 30 years old and, and, and at Raymond, I, I was paying lots of attention. And so Michelle would take notes and, uh, and sometimes they'd help you say so like, you might want to write that down because you might see it again on a test. That means that we'll be on the test. <laughs> so they would even help you with that. Uh, but I would write things down and uh, my mind was focused on what I was writing so I can't really hear you know, what he's saying past that. I, somehow Michelle was doing like dictation. I don't know how she does it. So <clears throat> if I had to, I'd just go back and get her notes, see what I missed. Um, but, I, but I listened really well. I, I listened well enough to, to come out of Raymond with a 3.9.7 GPA uh, from listening. But that doesn't mean you remember it. So it's good to have things written down. I suppose God knew that. Uh, anyway, he, aren't you glad he gave us a written copy? Forty authors. And if you want to know what these people <clears throat> and other people have went through to get us this Bible, just read, if you can stomach it, uh, the Fox's Book of Martyrs. And you'll see the people who gave their life um, and uh, the way they were tortured and the way they died. It's, 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 not a, it's not a fun read, but you'll have an appreciation for this word when you find out what they, you know, when they were actually skinned alive their flesh removed from their body and then poured salt all in them. Don't make another copy of this or it'll happen to you. <clears throat> but that didn't stop them. So I hope we have that appreciation for it. So, uh, so I'm going to go rather quick today or not. And we're going to go back to our, um, our, our main text of 2 Timothy chapter 2. And I'm going to pick up in verse 24. And it says this, Paul's writing to Timothy a letter. 
And Paul, uh, Timothy is what Paul's son in the spirit, his spiritual son. Timothy's young. Timothy apparently is getting some yin 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 from uh, the from the church, from the congregation. Uh, does that happen in church? Oh yeah, it happens. It doesn't happen here. I can remember when it did happen. Um, I had some good advice when I started the church. Um, someone with a church over a thousand people. I said, "What do I need to do to be effective pastor?" He said, "You'll have to be tougher than hell." <laughs> For one thing, uh, that those words became very, very true. Uh, it seemed like uh, I heard John Osteen say this same thing. When he built, not Joel's dad, John, when he built the church Lakewood, he said the first two years, it seemed like Satan sent everybody that he could across the planet to try to kill us before we could get going. And then I think those same people came to Alabama. <laughs> uh, we were talking about some of them stories the other day, and it's like, and I was going back 30 years ago, I'm thinking, you know, wh what happened? I was like, wow, then that did all happen in the first two or three years. I mean, I, we met more nuts, more just crazy people that, 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 that you could not help. I mean, there's <clears throat> I preached a service a sermon years ago. There's 12 kinds of people that you can't help today. I don't mean they can never be helped, but in their frame of mind, you, you can't help them today. Jesus met people that he couldn't help and walked away from them. You're not going to help everybody and you're not called to help everybody. Amen. And when you, when you figure that out quicker, see the later, your life will go a whole lot easier and you, and you won't be frustrated. But anyway, so Paul said, and the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle to all men, apt to teach and be patient. Serving the Lord must not do what? Strive, but be gentle to all men, apt to teach and be patient. Well, and I read that, I thought, well, that, that calls me out of ever being in ministry. <laughs> well, turns out <clears throat> everything that you need from uh, the fruit of the Spirit, patience is, is one of those fruit. So you have it, but you have to employ it. Then he says, in meekness, instructing those that what? Are being opposed. No, they what? Y'all, can y'all talk? Verse 25. 2 Timothy 2, 25. In meekness, doing what? Instructing those that what? They oppose themselves. If God provincial will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, verse 26, that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. So notice, <clears throat> this is, this is a, basically a one-man show. Uh, you have no one to blame for this. And that's one of the classifications of people that you can't help today. There's someone where everything is, there, is somebody else's fault. They don't take responsibility for themselves. In other words, where they are in life is somebody else's fault or it's your fault. If someone blames you for where they are in life, it's hard, it's hard for you to help that person. Uh, everybody in here, <clears throat> we all have a story. And some, and it, it's a winding road. And there's some things that just, uh, s some of them curves were dangerous. Some of those you're supposed to slow down if you went around it. Mm -hmm. 
some of you didn't actually make the curve. <laughs> there were some bumps in the road. There were some people that, that the enemy sent your way in your path, not just to block you, but to st stop you and to, actually to destroy you if you can. But you're not put here for destruction. You're sent here to destroy. Can I talk to you that plain? <clears throat> the scripture said that for the, Jesus came for this purpose to destroy, destroy the works of the devil. Destroy them. Well, we're called to do what Jesus called. So, 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 so we're here to blow up. Huh? We're not here to hinder. We're here to, to blow up. So when we hear doctrine that's not true, the only way that you can know what is true is know the truth. There is a feel-good doctrine. There are many feel-good churches. They're real popular. To keep a lot of congregation, they have to have a lot of programs and they have to have a lot of feel-good stuff. It makes me feel good. There's a lot of feel-good songs. You would think there's a whole lot of songs that you can sing today that's scriptural. There's very few of them. I mean, there's songs that we still sing today. And, then, and, well, and you know, Chris and I talk about it. She says, well, it says this. I said, I know. I said, I said, are we going to write songs too now? <laughs> and some of them are just beautiful, yeah. you know. Uh, and so, uh, but they're just not scriptural. They, but they do apply, they, they do, they're applicable to people because they, they make them feel good in their emotions. So what we're going to do, we're, we're, he said, you're opposing yourself. In other words, <clears throat> God has a plan and the enemy's, God's for you and the enemy's against you. It's just that simple John 10, 10, right? John 10, 10 is the dividing line of the Bible, the old covenant, new covenant. He just said, Satan come to kill, deal, and destroy. He said, but I didn't come to do that. I came to give life and give it to you more abundantly. And uh, so we, we, we divided by that. So how do we oppose ourselves? Well, as we get further, we're going to talk about, there's actually three men that we, we have to know something about. When I say men, uh, I'm, I'm talking about men, women, I'm talking about believers. Um, so, but there, there's three, in the word, there's, there's three men or three mindsets that we have to understand and know what they are. One is, we haven't covered this, but we'll get into it. One is the natural man. One is the carnal man and the other one is the spiritual man. The natural man is the man who's, he, he's not born again, he's unsaved. He can't, he can't understand nothing about the things of God. The Bible says, he says, he can't discern anything. To him, everything looks crazy, it looks foolish. You can talk spiritual matters with someone spiritually dead, and they're like, what? Because they're spiritually dead. Well, we were spiritually dead when we, when we, when we were born again, right? When, when we came into the earth. Good evening, hey, just have a seat anywhere you like. There's coffee and water out there if you want some. Uh, somebody ate all the donuts. I wouldn't, that wasn't kind, but anyway. <laughs> so we're in, a, we're in a series called Stop Opposing Yourself. Stop Opposing Yourself. And that's how it came to me. Stop Opposing Yourself. Well, so we, there's a contrast that we're talking about. The, the natural man, the Bible calls the natural man. He, he's just someone who's not saved. He's never been born again. He's been born one time by natural birth, but he's not born again. Remember what Jesus told Nicodemus? Nicodemus couldn't understand it. Here he is, you know, you know he's, he, he, he's big in, in the religious world. You know, the rabbi, the teacher. And Jesus kind of, you know, he, he, he lovingly said, 
you don't know much, do you? <laughs> so he said, Nicodemus said, how will a man like me be, be born again? My, I mean, my parents are not even here. How am I going to reenter my mother's womb? <laughs> Jesus like, oh boy, three and a half years. Okay, so no, he said, you know, you, you, you have to be born of the water and of the spirit. So the natural man is just someone who, who's not born again. He, he's unsaved. The, the carnal man, now you understand, the, the carnal man uh, quite often is someone who's born again. They're saved. But they're, they're, they're saved. They're born again. So in their spirit, in your spirit, the moment you got saved, the milliseconds you got saved, Christ came into you into your spirit in Ephesians said after you got saved, he sealed your spirit. Now, those of us who are old enough to remember when granny canned things, put them in jars. <clears throat> and then, you know, <clears throat> later that year, she's going to make a, it's cold. She's going to make a <clears throat> pan of cornbread. Come on, somebody. And then uh, and get out the vegetable soup. <clears throat> and she went and got one of them old jars. How many, how many of y'all know what I'm talking about? No one young, young, you know what I'm talking about. But when you got the jar, that mason jar, and you opened the lid, what did it have on top of it? It had a little, had a little round disc, a little seal, right? <clears throat> and, and how do you know if it did its job? It goes what? It goes. If it doesn't, if it doesn't do that, give it to your brother-in-law or somebody else. <laughs> Say here. <laughs> take this home. <laughs> no, could you take that off the tape? Okay. <laughs> that wasn't love, was it? <laughs> but <clears throat> that's what that's why we know it was sealed, it was preserved. The book of Jude, which is only one page, he says, at the end of this thing, when you get to heaven, the Father is gonna Jesus the Son is gonna take you to the Father. I don't know what that's gonna look like. But he's gonna take you personally to the Father. And he's going to present you to the Father blameless and faultless. <laughs> so when you are born again, all the life of God comes into you. Life. <clears throat> Strong's number 2222. That's easy, remember, 2222. Because I don't want to make up stuff. So the life of God came into you, which is the nature of God. In other words, you have his nature in you. You have his likeness in you. You have his dominion in you. You have his authority in you. And it's, it's all in your spirit. And then to make sure that the contamination of this world, <clears throat> demons or the devil couldn't get to it, Ephesians says he sealed you. And the enemy's been trying to go, but he can't, he can't even get the lid off the jar. Amen. <laughs> <clears throat> but when you got saved, how many, how many noticed that your body didn't get saved? He said, well, when you get saved, you just change. You completely change. Well, no, you don't completely change. I mean, I liked the ice cream before I got saved. Amen. I liked it the day after, too. You know, if you was five, six, <clears throat> you probably five, six the next day. If you was, you know, if whatever you was, naturally, you still are the next day. So, the, so what changed instantly was that you became a new creation in Christ. What? 2 Corinthians 5, 17. One translation said a new species of being that has never existed. In other words, God came to live on the inside. You are now the temple of God. 
Your spirit is God's address. You get that? <laughs> you, you are a mobile throne. Not, not a mobile home. You're a mobile throne. Where, wherever you go, you have the throne of God on the inside of you. Ephesians says you've been seated with God in heavenly places. If you're a student of those things, when you look up the word seated, it means <clears throat> enthroned. You are in the throne with Christ. You are now doing what Christ did while he was on the earth. <clears throat> Christ actually occupied two different worlds at one time. He told you in John 17, you're not even of this world. <laughs> Jesus said he wasn't of this world. In John 17, the night before he was crucified, he prayed, this, he said, Father, keep them. He said, they're not of this world just like I'm not of this world. So you're, you're in heaven, positionally seated with Christ, ruling and reigning far above all principality, power, might, and dominion. At the same time, you're dealing with, with, the, with the things in this natural world. <clears throat> I found for me, for me, the best, day, the best way to deal with the news for me <clears throat> is uh, don't hear it. <laughs> I wasn't confused who I was before I heard it. I'm not confused after. There's so much confusion about identity now. Well, there doesn't have to be confusion. See, can we just say God's right? But see, people's feelings are real to them. You know, the enemy can work in the area of feelings. The thing is why we don't look at it that way is because the, the devil don't come to you like the old Underwood Ham. He doesn't have a red suit and a pitchfork and a long tail. So, I'm the devil coming out of you, boy. So you don't see him that way. See? So you don't get out your... You know, you're 30 out six and blow his head off. But you have weapons, Second Corinthians says, that are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. <clears throat> Jesus showed us how a man, a man, Jesus had to come as a man. He was God and he was man, but he was, he's man. The Bible says he will always know, be known in heaven as the son of man. Can you imagine agreeing to be going from God to to being born a human on this earth, being full deity to be. So he's your example of how we are here flesh in flesh. And he came as a man filled with the Holy Ghost and walked in total authority, love, dominion and everything as a man filled with the Holy Ghost. So <clears throat> if you're born again and you're filled with the Holy Ghost, you have everything Jesus had. Amen. You have to. I mean, it'd, it'd be wrong. It'd be unkind, <clears throat> unkind for Jesus to tell us before he left. He said, the works that I do, the, <clears throat> will you do? And greater works than these because I go to my father. If you didn't give us the same stuff to work with. Yeah. I mean, if you go tell me to build a house and take away all the tools, I'm, I'm not going to build much, even if I know how to do it. Now, that's an example. Ain't no one going to ask me to build anything. <clears throat> but anyway, uh, so we, we, we want to look at this as we go forward. We want to look at this. A natural man. We want to look at the, 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 the man who's governed by the flesh and we want to look at the man who's governed by the spirit. What we're turning, what we want to do is we want to do what Ephesians 4 said, which is <clears throat> that we come to the fullness of who we are in Christ. Paul didn't say come to, the, come to me. I, he didn't, Paul never pointed to himself. He did say follow me as I follow Christ. 
But there's a couple of times I can find where Paul got off. I ain't following him that day. I'm not criticizing him at all. But we can follow Christ. He's our example in everything. So, like I had out, no, I mean, I came up here Thursday or Friday. I had no idea I was going to write this right here. I was just kind of praying about the service from last week. And uh, while we're doing that, um, this won't mean as much to you as it will mean, as it will mean to me because um, this, is serious, this is number five in a series. And so it would mean more to me, someone who prayed it out, studied it out, wrote it out, and preached it. So um, Monday, for those of you who were here last week and heard the service, so Monday, uh, Kristen, wave him. That's Kristen. She's my youngest daughter. And uh, Amy raised her, her, her older sister. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> older sisters always tell you what to do. They don't have to be right, but they can still tell you. I know something about that. You want to raise your hand now? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I have forgiven her, though. If, if you think I have large cheek cheeks, it's because she pulled them out for years. <laughs> and one day, my brother and I figured out we could take her together, and that that ended that forever. How good you, out. you see how good I turned out, yeah. <laughs> Amen. Um, so after the ser- now now last Sunday, no, Christian was teaching children's church, so she wasn't in here, so she didn't see her here in the service. So Monday. She's washing dishes at home, and she <laughs> prophetically gets these things and stops washing dishes. And apparently the Lord knows where Jemison is and knows where their house is. And just out of washing dishes and doing nothing spiritual, except when you're spirit, everything's spiritual, uh, she gets this, what I'll call a download, spiritual download, which she has many times. The uh, Holy Spirit's used her this way. And uh, so she gets it and she sends it to Elliot. And he said, did you send this to your dad? She said, no. He says, you need to send this to your, <laughs> to your dad. He said, so I read it and I said, wow. I said, so you, you've already watched the service from yesterday? She said, no, I haven't watched the service. And I said, well, go watch the service. Not because I'm interested, but just like you, you weren't even in the service. And the Lord talked to you about this washing dishes. Well, if I was going to write, you know, like a, a bullet points for last Sunday, it would have been this. It says this, because it's finished, because it's finished, that's the reason why. But you may say, Lord, help me, for my senses lie. They do lie. That's why I said, don't be real by what you see, for what you see is seldom reality. Walking by the senses makes things complicated. Walking by the senses will only leave you exasperated. If you're walking by what you see, you're not walking on in what is done. If you're walking in, in what is done, you're, if you're not walking in what is done, you're not walking as a son. If you're the performer instead of the believer, you're not in rest and you won't be a receiver. By grace through faith, that's always going to be the instruction. The more you add to that, you'll walk in self-destruction. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Don't gauge your deliverance by the intensity of the fight. Washing dishes. That's called walking in the flesh. You'll lose every time. But if you come up in the spirit, you'll see you can cease from your climb. I don't say climb the mountain. I said move it. And your senses will say this mountain ain't moved. Prove it. 
So you'll keep trying to move the mountain with the sweat of your brow. You read 50 books on man's interpretation of how. <laughs> you work and you work. It'll be to no avail because the mountain you're trying to move has already fell. And at that very instant, it ceased from living. So I tell you now, it's finished. It is done. Rest, rest, rest in my son. Even if there is still green on the leaf, don't be a fool into unbelief. Walk in the spirit and you'll see the fig tree is surely dead because I love you and I never go back on what I said. She could just come get that. I could have stayed home. <laughs> okay, so let me, get, let me get back to my notes. The, the, so here it is. The life of the new man in Christ. How many are in Christ? The life of the new man in Christ was never meant to be governed by your senses, which is your mind and your body. When the Bible says in Romans 8, 6, you know, it talks about, it talks about the, the carnal man is enmity against mind. It, the, the word enemy doesn't mean the enemy. It means opposition. So when you're in your carnal mind, that means you're gauging everything through your senses. And we have five senses to thank God that we have. People, I mean, th this will sound like we're against the senses, but how, how many of y'all like a good steak? Anybody like seafood? Anybody like pizza? How many glad that you have senses when you eat pizza? How many of y'all like sweets? How many glad you got good taste buds when, you, when you're eating sweets? Come on, somebody. <laughs> so, but you know, uh, if you didn't have senses and you got hold of some milk and it wasn't good and you, and you couldn't smell it and you couldn't taste it, your nose may not work. Your taste buds not may work. But when you put that spoiled milk down here, your, your stomach will work. <laughs> and up she'll come. But what Paul is saying is, he says, you're born again in the spirit. Everything in you is sealed and just right. It's just like God. But now you're going to have to renew your mind, your soul, to what is already true in your spirit. See, in your spirit, since you've been born again, your spirit has never touched sin. I didn't say you haven't never sinned. I'm saying the real you has it because sin can't touch it. So you got to hear this the way I'm trying to say it and don't make it into something. I'm not making a doctrine or something crazy. Since you've been born again, the real you that sealed the real you that one day will leave here and leave the whole body and everything behind. The real you has never missed it. Has God missed it? Well, then you ain't missed it in, in your spirit. I didn't say in your soul, in your body. The body's just neutral, right? It'll just do, I mean, it's just like if I had a puppet here and I, you know, and I just laid it down, it'd just be there, it'd just be material. But if I slipped my hand in it, then it would have motion and it would have to do, I mean, just like when you put your clothes on, you took them off the rack, it was just sitting there on a hanger or wherever it was sitting, it wouldn't do nothing. But it didn't take shape until you put your arm in it, until you put your legs in the pants or dress, whatever you did. Um, and then it began to take shape. So your soul's that way that it's just, it's been programmed by the word. When you, get, when you got born again, now it has to be reprogrammed because you have a pattern, a way of doing things where you've always done them. So Romans 12, 12 says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So, you, you, have to re, you have to renew, you have to renovate your mind. Yeah, but mama and always did it and granny did it. Well, I hate to say this, but mama and granny and them wasn't always right. 
Uh, well, that's all right. We can't throw no stones. We ain't always been right. So the word repent really just means change your mind. Just change your mind. Well, if you've been doing something for 20 years and not getting results, just because everybody did, you need, we need to find out what God said. It may go against everything you've ever known, believed, believed to be true. But, you know, the scripture says God's not a man that he should lie. And he's never, never has a re reason to repent. He don't have to change his mind because he's right. Now, I want to get real plain if I can, because I want this to help us. So the life of the new man was never meant to be governed by his senses. You, the real man, we have a spirit. We are spirit, right? First Thessalonians says we, we are a spirit. Not we have one. We, we are a spirit. We have a soul and we live in a body. Okay, now, so the life of the new man in Christ was never meant to be governed by their mind or their body. Your spirit, ma'am, is the executive, administrator, conductor, and manager of your soul and body. See, man is the three-part being, spirit, soul, and body. Your spirit is made just like God. Remember I mean, Genesis 1, you have the Trinity here. And they said, let us, us being more than one, the three in one, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. And they said, okay, and let's also put into him dominion. I, I didn't make that up. I mean, it's, it's in Genesis 1. Let us make man in our image and in our likeness. In Genesis 2, he makes the body, but the body's lifeless. He makes, he makes Adam, and Adam has no life in him. But then he breathed into his nostrils. <coughs> God's, God's breathed into to his nostrils, and he said he became a living spirit. The actual Hebrew says he became a speaking spirit. Yeah. You know what puts you above everything in the planet? Just like God? Because you can speak. Yeah. Now, animals can speak. They have a language, but they can't speak. I don't care how human you think they are. Uh, I mean, I, I, I get up some days and I'll come home to church and uh, Michelle has a dog. I don't know if I have one. <laughs> and uh, she's She's a rescue dog. And uh, she said, well, it'll take about six months to get over all this. And, well, we have four years into it. and it ain't <laughs> She takes that dog with her low sometimes or even Walmart. And people think she needs a rescue dog. Actually, she's there to rescue the dog. Because if you leave that dog with me, it's, just, it's miserable for everybody. <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't know what someone did to that, that thing, but uh, she, they must have really got to her. Because her whole world wrapped around Michelle. And she likes Kristen Elliott, <clears throat> and I'm not necessarily a dog person. I mean, I had tons of dogs, but, you know, they had hair. My folks said that means they, the hair is for, for them to hang on outside. <laughs> <laughs> so so I, I'll get home from church sometimes, or I'll wake up and go in the living room, and that dog's sitting in my chair. And she's taking my blanket with her teeth and pulling it over her. <laughs> or, I mean, she's, so Michelle sits in a recliner this way and the couch is you know right there or the couch is right here Michelle's sitting right there on the and, uh, and, and she has a blanket to sit on and she wants to be covered up so she'll jump up on the couch and she'll look at her and like <laughs> that's like get I, I want my blanket 
Well, she's speaking. She has body language, but she can't say, would you cover me up with a blanket? That's, that's the difference. That's one of the major differences because she, you're a spirit. You're a speaking spirit. How did, how did God create the planet? Speaking. And, you know, Genesis 1 said, and God 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 said, let there be, let there be, let there be, let there be, let there be light. You know, the heavens, the firmament, the da, 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 the land, the trees, God said. And then it said, and it was so. What was so? What God said. He said, let, put, he said they have to have that in them because we're going to give them dominion. So it had to be a speaking spirit. So what they say will be so. That means you're having what you've been saying. Good or bad, you've been having what you've been saying. So if you don't change what you're believing, then you'll not change what you're speaking, which means you're going to keep on having what you're saying because you are a speaking spirit and he put dominion in you. So you're going to, you're going to get to have what you keep on saying. Now, confessing the word I know is, is something that's been taught that some people are like, yeah, and you can drive anything into a ditch, but confess, confessing the word or speaking the word is simply you. The word confess just means to, to say the same thing, to agree and say the same thing. So if I need healing and my body is sick and needs healing, I got to go find out what God said about it and what he did about it. And then I begin to speak what he said. My speaking don't make it so. Because it's already so. My speaking puts me in agreement with a covenant and now it makes it so for me. So you're not creating healing because there's already a healer. You're just agreeing with what he said, which makes it so. That's all that you're doing. Okay, moving on a little bit faster. So and, um, in 2 Corinthians 10, 5 says, we can demolish, now I'm talking about we, the spirit man, can demolish every deceptive fantasy that opposes and break through every arrogant attitude that is raised up in defiance of the true knowledge of God. We capture, this is the passing translation, we capture like prisoners of war every thought or scheme and insist that it bow in obedience to the anointed one. So we see that we, we the spirit man, we can demolish, we, we demolish every deceptive thought that oppose, there's that word oppose again, that our text in 2 Corinthians 2, where it said, <clears throat> Paul told Timothy, minister the word to him, teach him because he says what they're doing. He said, these people are opposing themselves. He says, teach them the truth uh, that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, who the devil has taken them captive by his own will. In other words, they become easy prey for him. So when you're when you when you understand who you are in the spirit, then you'll have you'll have an opportunity to walk by the spirit or walk by the truth or to walk in the carnal realm. Or carnal just means like like you order chili con carne, like the other saying. It, it just means meat. The mind, the meat. Meathead. Jokingly call some, someone meathead. We're not calling you meathead. But I'm saying, but but you're walking according to your physical senses, and so all the everything that you know to this point of life, you've learned through all your five senses naturally. Yep. I mean, I, I have a, a son that when he's three years old, every time I would grill out, he would want he was fascinated somehow by the grill, and he saw this vapor coming up. I said, "Don't touch this." 
This will burn you badly. Oh, okay. And uh, I'd tell him four or five, six times, he'd come up. I said, don't touch the grill. I said, that'll burn. Well, I walked off, and he'd come up. He said, I don't know. You know what it did? Yeah, it burned it. <laughs> and he slept by our bed for three nights, and I, and I, I put him on a, uh, uh, actually, it was his bed. We had, we had th- uh, three kids at the time in a 14 by 70 trailer, two bedrooms, and, and, and there was four of us in one room, and one, and one had a bedroom to himself. He couldn't sleep with nobody else. And the way you could do that is we had a, I had a, a, a folding beach chair. Well, what's the, what's the three-year-old now? And I put blankets and everything, and, and uh, the only problem was and then we had a baby bed. Amy was at the end of the bed. And uh, I had to crawl off the bed to get up in the middle of the night if you had to go to the bathroom, try not to wake the baby up. I couldn't go this side because my son's down there. And I just put a pan of water down there, and after a few minutes, he cried up. I put his pan down that water. And after three days, so I, but I never had to tell him again, Chad, don't touch a heated grill. <laughs> when I'd cook hamburgers or something like that, and he'd see the grill go up, he'd run the other way on the other side of the yard. He's terrible. Well, that was information to him that stayed with him forever. As he walked in life, I, I, I told him, I said, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. And he, he learned how not to do it, sometimes the hard way, like some of us. And, uh, you know, if you pay enough fines, then you'll actually learn it. <laughs> it's like, if you do this, it's going to cost you. Well, we've learned everything for our five senses, but you're not supposed to be living this life according to your senses. You, you need them, you use them. They, they, they assist you. They help you. You might hear something and make sure that you don't pull out in front of someone because you see, you see and you hear something. So we, we have need of our senses, but they're not supposed to govern your life. Emotions aren't supposed to govern your life. And, and you know this to be true. We've all had some days that we just felt really great about something, right? We, we felt good. I don't know what, what it was. Something happened. Something good happened. You got some good news. Check come in. I don't know. Whatever it was. You just felt good. But did that feeling stay with you forever? How many of you just felt really bad, like, you know, in the world, just like, man, I just couldn't get any worse. You ever had that feeling? Everything was going wrong. Didn't feel good, did it? Did that, but did, did that stay there forever? So if the good feelings don't stay forever and the bad feelings don't stay forever, then what? Then they shouldn't have that much stock in your life. So to walk in the Spirit, you have to find out what the Word said, and that's, that's called walking in the Spirit. That's called walking, uh, Galatians said, you know, walking in the Spirit with Him. Different translations say walking in line with Him. One translation says walking in cadence, like in the military, with Him. He said, if you walk in the spirit, then you won't fulfill the lust. Lust means strong desire. You won't fulfill the desires of the flesh because you're walking with him. You're walking in line, in step with him. So you're training the spirit man and refusing the physical man to have his way. When all the senses are telling you, this is not good. I don't feel good like this. The doctor said this. Um, the jaw is fixed to go sideways. Uh, all those things is telling you, well, l- let's say it this way. Have you ever, not that you heard it audibly, but how many on the inside of you, I think everybody here, but I'll ask, how many here has ever had the thought, what am I going to do now? 
Let me, let me tell you who didn't say that to you. The Holy Spirit has never said what we're going to do now. <laughs> I mean, if he doesn't know, I'm going home. I'm packing it up. <laughs> just like, there's no need being here. I'll, I'll give you your money back and we'll just go home and forget about the whole thing. <laughs> just like, I mean, we can meet and have a good time. But if the Holy Ghost is, is trying to figure this out as you go along, if God's trying to like, trying to steer this thing some way, like, uh, uh, <laughs> so when we walked according to our senses, see, it gets us in those kind of troubles. So uh, I'm not doing a good job staying on my notes, <laughs> which I never do. But First uh, Corinthians nine twenty six and twenty seven in the ERV translations, verse twenty six says, Paul says, "So I run like someone who has a goal. I fight like a boxer who's hitting something, not just in the air." Verse 27, he said, it is my own body. I fight, to, I, Paul, fight my own body. See, I'm trying to show you spirit, soul, and body. Paul said, I run like someone who has a goal. I fight like a boxer who's hitting something. But he says, I don't fight, just hitting the air. Next verse says, it, it, Paul said, it is my own body. I, the real man, Paul, fight to make it, the body, do what I want, the spirit man. I, Paul, do this that I won't miss getting the, the prize myself after telling others about it. So Paul said in the King James Version 27, he said, I'm bringing my body into subjection by ruling over the mind. Paul said, the only way I can do this, he said, I, the real man, the spirit man, the Christ man, the new creature, Right. The spiritual man, I have to bring this body, which is not me, into subjection by ruling over my mind. Can you see opposition? See, that's what we're talking about. We gave it a title called Stop Opposing Yourself. So here, here, Paul's got some things going on in his life and his body. And so Paul said, this is just like someone running and, and I have a goal to win this race. And I have, to, I have to deal with my body who doesn't want to do certain things that, that needs to be done. And the only way I can do that, he says, I, I don't fight the body. I have to fight the mind. So, so there's this conflict within you. You don't have two natures. I don't, you know, I've heard so many people, well, you have, you have, a, you have a, a, a sin nature and still and you have God's nature. No, no you don't. God knew you had a sin nature when you received Jesus Christ. He didn't lock the sin nature away. He blew it up. God threw the atomic bomb on it. Boom! People say, well, you know, some days the old man just trying to rise up. He can't rise up. He's blown up. He's blown to smithereens. Well, yeah, well, why am I having this trouble? Well, you, the mind that you still had before you saved, it's still around. It remembers things. You know, people talk, walk in love. Well, they walk in love as far as people treat them right. In other words, they say, well, if you do me right, I'll do you right. You're kind to me, I'll be kind to you. You love me, I'll love you. You bless me, I'll bless you. Curse me, I'll curse you back. Hit me, I'll hit you back. Slap me, I'll slap you back. That's not walking in love, <laughs> is it? That's walking according to your feelings. Yeah. And sadly, I think that's, uh, you know, I grew up in a time there was a song. I don't know if it was Tyler, but was it James Taylor? Or somebody, feelings. 
I remember that song, Feelings. Feelings, nothing more than feelings. I hate to say that sometimes that's the, that's the theme song of most churches. <laughs> feelings. Nothing more than my feelings. What are we doing? It's my feelings. It's my, my situation. It's they don't understand me. Good. If you were walking in who you are in Christ, you ought to be misunderstood all the time. Yeah. <laughs> you're the weirdest thing on the planet. Actually, you're in your right mind. The only way that I was able to be, begin to walk the new life is, is, is I, I had to lose my, my ever-living mind. Because my mind still wanted to think this and think that. When you stand in front of a person and cast the devil out of them and while they're hissing at you and grounding at you and they ain't but 90 pounds, but it's like, they must be a bunch of y'all in there. <laughs> it's like, you can't get that many 90 pounds. I'll never forget that girl's eyes turned as red. She said, I hate you. I'm like, whoa, out of 90 pounds. Well, I knew it was the devil. I mean, you know, your, your trouble, he says, not with flesh and blood. So he's, he's taken up residence here. So he, out of her, he tells me, he says, I hate you. Well, I wasn't talking to the girl. I was talking to the demon in her. And I, all I said was, the feeling's mutual. <laughs> And I said, you got to go. No, she wants me in here. So I said, you shut up. And I'll just say, Sally, do you want him? I want help. I said, she wants help. See that you're a liar. And they're just craziest thing in the world. They start walking around the sanctuary. Well, Tuesday, you know, someone brought the church, said, can you help us? I didn't know what I was going to get. I didn't, I didn't know what I was getting into. <laughs> walking around the sanctuary singing uh, Christmas songs. Uh, Merry Christmas to me. And I'm thinking, they didn't care with this in Bible school. <laughs> Not too much. <laughs> like, oh boy. <laughs> then she just walked up straight and then my eyes were just a, a, a turn red. And the most hideous voice, I hate you. And I went, I wish I'd had some more help here today. <laughs> Actually, there was two guys. I said, y'all grab her and take her outside the church. They said, uh, I said, oh, come on. Don't be a wimp. So I said, grab her and take her. Said, don't touch me. What are you going to do then? Well, if you go to the feel-good church where everything, you know, feelings. <laughs> you don't want to meet that girl. They said people in the Bible tried that, you know. They said, we adjure you by the same... Uh, uh, what's that name that Paul preaches? Uh, 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 they, they saw Paul, well, and they saw Jesus casting out devils. And so they said, we adjure you by the same name uh, that, that Paul preaches about. Come out. And the demon spoke to him, remember? The seventh sons of Sceva, S-C-E-V-A, I think. The demon in that, those people spoke to Paul and said, we know Paul. We know Jesus. Who are you, Bubba? We didn't, I mean, that wasn't Bubba, but who, 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 are, who are you? Hell knows Paul and hell knows Jesus. Who are you? And it says those de the, the demons through the people jumped on that man and beat him silly and said he ran down the road screaming, hollering, and it says naked. Now, it's bad, you know, to go cast out the devil and, and then they cast you out and you run down the road naked. Mm -hmm. 
So you need more than feelings. You need, you, you, you need some information. Now, uh, one of the devices and schemes of Satan is to keep your spirit under the rule of your flesh. Under your emotions, under your physical senses. The condition of our spirit is critical to the degree that we walk and live in the victory Jesus bought and paid for. You must have a strong spirit. Now, I'm going to skip ahead so we get this. Now, this would be the scripture for today that we would talk about a strong spirit. Proverbs 18, 14 says, The strong spirit of a man will sustain him in bodily pain or trouble, but a weak and broken spirit who can raise up or bear. Hmm. The strong spirit of a man sustains that man when they're in pain or they're in trouble. But a weak and broken spirit who can raise up a bear. The message translation says a healthy spirit conquers adversity. What does? A healthy spirit will conquer adversity. But what can you do when the spirit is crushed? I looked up that word sustained <clears throat> in the uh, Hebrew because it was in Proverbs. It says, <clears throat> and I looked up in the commentary, and uh, <clears throat> I would try to pronounce the Hebrew word, but it's about that long. And uh, so, I, so the word, the Hebrew word for sustained, and it means this. It means to keep alive, the word sustain. The strong spirit of a man will sustain him. Sustain means keep alive, but more than that, it's given physical and emotional support, sustaining something so it will not just live or survive, but it will thrive. So if your spirit's strong, you won't just be sustained. You won't just make it through barely, but you will you will thrive because your spirit's strong. Now, quickly, a strong spirit is what sustains us in any kind of trouble. A strong spirit uh, is confident. It's unmovable. A strong spirit is a spirit that's been established and it's ready for anything. Paul said, I can do all things. A strong spirit is steady under trouble and a strong spirit is full of joy and it's full of peace. No matter what the situation is, if you have a strong spirit, then you'll never you'll never quit. You'll never give up and you'll never give in. Whether you have a fan club or not. I remember through the years I, I had a fan club. <laughs> and the, 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 it wasn't always that great. When we started doing Facebook years ago and I'm preaching on grace and the love of God and, you know, God loves people. So God's in a good mood. Well, I, I had different people attacking, the, you know, the message of, of grace. And say, it's not like that. If you do this, God hates you. And if you don't change, if you go to churches, you'll end up going to hell where that, where that ministry is. They did not like me to say that God was in a good mood. Because they wanted to picture a God who was this and you weren't that and he was out to get you or to crush you. In other words, like if God can find you, he's going to get you. Well, he could find you. I'm pretty sure God could find you if he wanted you. 
He knew where Jonah was, picked him up and gave him a ride. He said, why don't you just hang out here for three days? Now, three days, you... And Jonah said, you know, I'm, I'm beginning to think that was a good idea about going to Nineveh. <laughs> Some people said, well, that never really happened. That was a metaphor. Well, ask Jonah if he thought it was a metaphor. It, it was a metaphor or a reason. So stay steady under trouble so you'll never quit. Now, watch here. A strong spirit will get you through anything. It'll get you through a physical attack. It'll get you through a financial problems. It'll get you through relational difficulties. It'll get you through emotional issues, which is the carnal mind. And you have all, you have all the emotions. You have x-rays that say it's this way. You have a divorce that you've been through that says this. Or, or, or you, someone had an abortion or someone had a miscarriage. All these things that are in this life in this life, and people are looking for love and they're looking for acceptance. They're looking for someone to love them perfectly. And the only person who actually loves you perfectly is the one who created you, Abba Father. And He is for you and He's not against you. His message is of love, not hate. He's not a divider. The Pharisees hated Jesus because He ate with sinners. Jesus didn't go away. Jesus didn't eat with the sinners because he agreed with them. He said, those who need a hospital, he said, I'm the hospital. He said, I didn't come for those who didn't need help. I come for those who need help. So he was there to show them their way, not, not, to, not for them to, he, he wasn't there to agree with them in, in their life, how they were living. He was there to show them a better way. But he did it as a person of love. The woman who was caught in the act of adultery, remember? She was caught in the act and they went and found her. I, I mean, it doesn't say, I just want, I wonder how, how you know where to go find her at? <laughs> how, how do you know where she's at? So they went and got her and they didn't care about her. They were trying to trap Jesus. They took the law and said, this is what's supposed to happen if a woman's caught in an act of adultery. She's supposed to be stoned. They said, well, but what do you say? Could care less about her. They're trying to trap him. And as you know, Jesus just stooped down writing something in the dirt. I think he was ordering, you know, what he wanted at Cracker Barrel. I think, I, I don't really know what he's writing. Or Longhorns, you know. And uh, he's writing that down. I get out of here from these idiots. I'm gonna, uh, so he said, well, <clears throat> well, yeah, the law says that. But uh, those of you without sin cast the first stone. <laughs> and they, they all had a rock in their hand. One of them big old, big old biscuit rocks. You know a biscuit rock is? Yeah, biscuit rock. I don't mean one of those you go across the pond, you know, like, choo, choo, choo. this is like <laughs> dead. DRT, dead right there. DRT. So the, the scripture says that they dropped their stones from the oldest to the youngest. I wonder what that means. Well, I guess you've been doing more things if you're older. <laughs> you're thinking like, without seeing, uh, well, mm-hmm. So they all left. All those men left, which I think they knew that woman's address. But I, I mean, I, I can't help but think this thing because I mean, I, I just think about that story, thinking like, well, how, how come? Where was the guy that was with her? They brought her. If she was caught in act, why didn't they, why didn't they drag him out there? I mean, you can't be a prostitute without being a prostitutor without a prostitutor. I don't even know if that's a word. I'm sorry. The program might not be able to write it. 
I speak another language. It's called redneck. Registered redneck. Now, so uh, he said to the woman, he says, Where, where's your accusers? And she looked around. They're all walking away in a bunch of rocks. She said, there's none, Lord. He said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Now, watch here. Not on my notes. How was she able to go and sin no more? He gave her a gift. What was the gift that he gave her to go and sin no more? Watch here. Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. He gave, he gave her a gift called no condemnation in me. Which later after his death, burial, resurrection, he tells you the law of the spirit of life that's in me has now overcome everything of the law of sin and death. See, there are spiritual laws that overcome. So the spiritual law obliterated, well, it's just like gravity. I mean, what, what goes up? It's coming down. That ain't shocking to no one, right? Now, if that doesn't happen in Italy and it happens here, that's a phenomenon. That happens around the world because it's the law of gravity. But can you, but can you override gravity? Yeah. Go to any airport and watch a plane take off. What does it take for an aircraft to overcome gravity which pulls down? It's called the law of thrust or lift. And it supersedes the law of gravity by the law of lift. But when it begins to descend, it comes down and it comes back into the law of gravity, which helps brings it back to the ground. How do you overcome sin and death and destruction and everything going wrong in your life? You apply the law of life, which overcomes the law of sin and death. A flesh man ain't going to do that because he, he can't. He's looking at all his problems. So you, you're born again and here, here's you, the spirit man. This is my right. Maybe y'all's left. Yeah, not maybe it is. This is the spirit man, right? And this is the flesh man. And flesh man does a lot of this. Ooh, it's 12 one. I got to stop. Was that a sign, Lord? I turned off so I don't have to leave a sign. <laughs> so, William, with this. So, so, so here's, the, here's the spirit here's spirit man walking in the spirit with Christ. This is who you are actually in Christ, right? Same in your spirit. You got born again. You're sealed. You're preserved. Pop on this side. Oh, here's your flesh. It's dealing with bad news. Don't feel good. Doctor said, broke, busted, disgusted. It's like a lot of country music. <laughs> lost my home, lost my wife, lost my dog, lost my kid. And like the guy said, you have to play the song backwards to get it back. <laughs> so how do I walk in the spirit with Christ if I'm double-minded and I keep going, oh, yeah, I felt that. Uh, uh, by stripes, I'm, I'm healed, but uh, I, I know I'm healed, but uh, that don't look, I don't feel. Uh, uh, I, I'm blessed. Uh, Ephesians 1, 3, been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus, and, and I, my, all my needs are met. Oh, if I don't have that money by Thursday. So the born-again believer can, can walk in the Spirit and walk in the flesh simultaneously because he hasn't decided who he is yet. He, 
because he feels all this. This is actual facts. This is truth. Amen. Truth trumps facts. Amen. Facts can't trump truth unless this has your attention. If this is, has your attention, it doesn't matter what he made you over here. You've chosen to look to your senses to determine your life and where it is and where it's headed. Because you see this, you feel this, you know this. It's tangible. You can breathe it. And over here, this is in the spirit, by the spirit. This has a way to get to you, the real you, this, but it has to come through the channel, the conduit of the spirit. This works through all your physical senses in your mind and your body. And sadly, most Christians take this as more real because they of the five senses than what they can't see. So, but, so then if I turn from this and I go over here and he reminds me, he says, son, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Grace supplied every, Jesus who is the person of grace, the Spirit and the Holy Spirit of grace has supplied everything that you'll ever need in life. It's right here. You can't see it with your physical eyes like you can see over here, but it's, it's real because this world made the one that you're seeing. Huh? You don't think there was an earth and then it made, earth made God. In the beginning, earth made God. They won. Earth decided and said, no, God created the earth. So you see the you see the two you see the conflict. This is you're, you're in total conflict all day. I want to applaud you for making it to whatever age you are and actually still being here, because you are in an actually spiritual war every day of your life. There's demons who just love to kill you if they could. The problem is they they can't. <laughs> they just want you to think they can't. So, but when you keep looking like this, they're telling you this is not good. You you, you go to your your counselor, your, your psychiatrist, and they say, well, what's happened? Well, how, how did that make you feel? Well, then I have to start saying, well, it's been really bad, and I like this, and I got depression, and my husband, my wife, and our finances, and my kids, and my dog driving me crazy. So to answer his or her question, the counselor, I have to come out of the spirit and get into the flesh into my mind to know how I feel and what I think. And I have to turn away from the truth of who I already am, which in him of his fullness you have received. Colossians 2, you are complete in him. See, my identification is right here. We have something in this country called stolen identity to the billions of dollars every year where people steal your credit card information, your identity, thieves. But there's something beyond just someone who does that naturally. The enemy comes to steal your identity, who God made you, who you really are in him, that you're more than a conqueror, that you're loved by God, accepted by God, valued by God, that you're a joint heir with Jesus Christ, more than a conqueror. That as he is, so are you in this life. First Corinthians 6, 17 says, he that's been joined to the Lord has become a single spirit. Wow. The word joined is the word laminated, a laminated floor, which is pieces of wood pressed together so tightly. If you look at it, even like a baby grand piano, the wood they make it out of, it's laminated, but it's pressed together so tightly and glued so tightly together, you don't know where one piece of wood started and the other one began. He that's joined to the Lord, 1 Corinthians 6, 17, has become 
pressed in, laminated with the Lord. So when the devil comes to attack you, he doesn't know where you end and Christ begins. Because now you become one. Because of your union with him. John 15 says, he's the vine, you're the branch, together you're a tree. So the enemy can't determine where you are in Christ, so he attacks you to see if you'll give voice to it so he can determine where the person is and Christ is. So when we begin to holler out, I can't take no more, he says, oh, that ain't Christ. <laughs> he says, oh, found him. Found him. When you begin to give voice to all your feelings and your emotions and all that's going on around the world and everything, you know, I found more Christians wanting to leave this planet because they're just so sick of all of it. You know, they don't know you go here, go there, go there, don't know what I am, who I am, whatever. I mean, I, 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 went, in the, I, I went in the bank the other day, I told you, and I, I told the, the teller, I said, uh, first off, she said, uh, can I help you some more? So I need to make a deposit. She says, okay. I said, first off, I want to tell you, I identify myself as a multimillionaire, and I want to make a healthy withdrawal. She says, let me check your account. She said, do you want all the $50? <laughs> so it didn't help me to identify it with truest down here because they go by facts. <laughs> they looked in the account and says, you're, you're, you're not even, oh, I mean, this wasn't true figures, but you may not even be a hundred there or a thousand there. But I know who I am in Christ. You're more than a conqueror. God is for you. He's not against you. So we have to look away from the carnal realm and all the senses and we walk in the spirit. You, you can't do this and think that you're going to win. I didn't say that'd be easy because this over here is real. I mean, it's talking to you. It may be talking to your mind, your emotions, your body, and everything going on. It's factual. But this over here is truth. This is my final closing. Every, every sermon has three doors to get out of it. This is the third door. Wasn't it Elisha? Yeah, Elisha um, had been getting, as a prophet... He was hearing, you know, the warfare of the king that was against Israel. And the, and, and the king was making warfare, it said, in his bedchambers. And he would tell his, his generals, he says, we're going to go attack this. We're going to go attack this. We're going to go attack this. We're going to go attack that. And then Joshua would hear him in the spirit. Old Testament. Old Testament prophets. He don't even have what you have in your spirit. The prophet would hear that he would tell the king of Israel, uh, so-and-so is going to attack you Tuesday morning. This is where they're going to be. <laughs> oh, that's helpful, isn't it? I mean, he was the spy. And so he would tell the king of Israel. So every time they go over, he says, I want to know. He said, we have a traitor in our camp. Every time I go attack Israel, he says, he says, they're already there before I get there. He said, which one of you is a traitor? Which one of you is against me? <clears throat> and one of them around him said, it's not any of us, O king. He said, there is a prophet in Israel. He said, he, he hears the words that you say in your bedchamber. He said, what's his name? He said, it's Elisha. The prophet. And he says, uh, he said, send all my troops to capture him and seize him. So the Bible said they went to Dothan. I don't know if it's Dothan, Alabama. It just says Dothan. <laughs> D-O-T-H-E-M. I might have been in Dothan, Alabama. I don't know. And uh, 
And it says, I just think it's hilarious. So it's just Elijah and Gehazi there doing ministry, and they're just in a tent camped out. And so Gehazi gets out of the tent, and he wakes up, and he's going, you know, to Starbucks to get him and the, you know, and get the paper, uh, you know, to see what's going on that Sunday. And he, and he brings the coffee back, and he, and he looks around the city, and you're like, oh, here is here's that king who's come to capture him, and there's thousands of them to come get two people. And so he is terrified. So he wakes up uh, Elisha and he says, he says, Master, Master, he says, we're surrounded. Second Kings, what, four or five? He says, well, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? We're surrounded. And Elisha said, huh? He says, he says, we're surrounded. The king has sent all this, his chariots and all this, he's, the whole city is surrounded. He said, ah, uh, he said, give him a coffee. This is me interjecting. Took a couple of drinks. He said, ah. He says, there are more of us than be with him. And Gehazi, you know, he's in the natural. He's like, do what? He said, there's, there's more of us to be with him. He said, oh, boy. He is getting kind of old. <laughs> Boss, uh-uh. And Elisha said, oh, Lord, help this boy. He said, open his eyes to see in the spirit realm. Then he'll see that there's more with you for us than it's with them against us. And the Lord said, okay. So he opened Gehazi's spiritual eyes and he saw the angelic force around, sur surrounded around those whom the king has sent to capture them. So there was no war. The angels didn't fight. You remember the story? Do you remember how, do you, do you remember what happened to them? Got, so they come down to capture him and he said, Lord, just blind them all right now. And every man was totally blind and couldn't see his way to Elijah. Then he told the, we would say the governor of that area, he said, here they are. They're going to come get us and do battle here in your city. He says, he says, just let's, let's gather them all up. He says, take them by the hand. They can't see anything. And uh, just take them. He said, we'll, we'll just take them, you know, back to Syria. And uh, he, says, he said, no, I don't kill them. He said, just send them back and say, you know, be nice. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they're like, let's kill them. He says, no, no, let's don't kill them. He said, let's just send them back home. He said, I think they'll learn a lesson. So they told the king, said, well, we went there. There's two of them. We saw them. And all of a sudden, no man got out of the tent. He said something about being blind. I couldn't, I couldn't see the end of my nose. And they said, we're going to leave that man alone. Well, here's the story. You couldn't see him naturally. But in the spirit, all the help was there. Gehazi was like, oh, we're surrounded. And he said, ah. What was Gehazi doing? He was looking in the spirit. What are you going to do? You're going to walk in the spirit or you're going to walk by the flesh and all your physical senses talking to you. It takes something to keep your gaze over here because the enemy is really good at this. He's had thousands of years of practice. He's worked with a bunch of humans. He knows somebody working with humans. You know where chain always, if a chain breaks, where does it break at? At the weakest link. He goes to the wink, the winkest, the, it goes to the, the weakest link of your chain, wherever that is. And that's where he attacks. 
he finds out whether marriage is weak. If it's weak. Right? You know what I'm going to do for Father's Day? I'm going to buy my wife a nice meal. Because I learned that works good. <laughs> when she said it's your time to cook, that means I'm supposed to go buy something. Because <laughs> she knows I ain't cooking nothing. <laughs> I mean, what she want toast? I mean, I can make a toasted peanut butter jelly, grilled cheese. Not too bad if I open up some mater soup and grilled cheese. Mm. Easy to please a man, usually. So I, I want to say this in leaving because this is the strongest words, even though they won't sound that strong, because they're, they're common words that's used that people don't understand the spiritual meaning. The strongest words that I can say to pronounce over to you is, in Jesus' name, I bless you. See, we, 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 we do this all the time. Someone sneezes at you. And we'll say, bless you, because they sneeze. That's not the mean, that's not the mean to bless you. It means to empower you. It means to strengthen you. It means to uphold you. It means God's with you. It means God's watching you. God's strengthening you for the journey. So I, I bless you in the name of Jesus, each and every one of you, and your families. We have people gone day for Father's Day in different places. But we bless you, those who's watching and those who's listening, in the name of Jesus. I just see that a turnaround is happening for so many people right now. Um, you may not look like anything's happening at all. You may not feel anything, see anything at all in your life. It may be going to the contrary. Most times when someone has spoken a prophetical word to me and it was a good word, my life didn't match that at all. Matter of fact, after they said it, it got worse. Huh? Anyone agree with that? Anyone ever, ever preached something to you or gave you a word and then said, you know, the Lord showed me this like this and then like this and blah, 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 blah. And it was a, it was a, a blessed word. And then, then what happened right after that was your situation got even worse. You know what that was for? That was for the devil to come steal the seed out of you. Mark forces when the word comes forth, Satan comes immediately, not two weeks later. That means the devil comes to church, which I don't give you come to church. Don't make me no difference. I expect him to come. I want him to come. They said, do what? <laughs> well, if, if, if he comes to the word, I want him to come where the word's going. If the devil never come to your church, what are you doing there? I had a woman in the very beginning of the ministry. She said, I, I, I'm here to take over part of this ministry. I said, you are. <laughs> First she said, yeah, I, I've come to teach the Old Testament here. Um, the Lord told me that this church needs to be strengthened in the Old Testament. She said, I feel like I'm supposed to be teaching on Wednesdays, you know, for several weeks. I said, and your name's what? You know what time she taught? Yeah, zero. <laughs> then we was eating dinner one night at the church and we was in Clanton, and a guy come up, and uh, he'd come one time, and when I got through preaching, he was already walked to the car. He'd come one night, and he was in a bright, bright blue suit. I mean bright blue. I mean, that's not even blue. And he had, a, he had on a white, like, uh, tuck shirt almost, and he had like a bow tie, I think. And he had on blue and white shoes, and he had on um, blue stockings. 
And uh, uh, it said, prophet so-and-so. And uh, everyone that couldn't help but look at me, it was just blue. It was just like, wow. That, blue's my, one of my favorite colors. I went, wow. Well, he left for our church is over. I wanted to meet and see who, you know, Brother, Brother Blue was. <laughs> well, three weeks later on a Sunday night, he came back and he, he had a red suit. Santa Claus don't even know what red is. It's the same way. It's red, red pants, red and white shoes, and had on a red bow tie, white, you know, shirt, and had on red stockings. You, know, you kind of see his ankles. Uh, and, uh, and I thought, well, that's Brother Blue. No, it's Brother Red now. <laughs> so he got gone for I could get from the pulpit. But he left, he left a little card in the chair. And it said, Apostle. And I thought, I had to in my office. And I said, well, three weeks ago, he was a prophet. Now he's an apostle. Man, I must be way behind. So I put him in my desk. Well, about another month or two later, we was having a Sunday night fellowship. We went downstairs to eat. And he came that Sunday night wearing the blue or the red. And I thought, well, I'm going to get to meet him tonight. And so he comes sat down beside me. And he said, uh, my name's so-and-so. And I said, okay. I said, I'm Notice you come a couple of times. And he says, uh, well, I'll just get straight to the point. He said, you know, um, the Lord has appointed me apostle of this church. <laughs> and I thought, he asked. You know, apostle means a sent one. I started my church in my, in my living room. Then we were, you know, owned and operating the floor coming store. Then I took it to the store before I got my first building and then my second building. I started with, we didn't have a chair. We didn't have a microphone. We didn't have nothing. We had absolutely nothing. Barbara sang with a boom box. She could sing and it boomed and we boxed. <laughs> that's, what, that's what we have. So this guy's going to come in here and tell me that he's the apostle over this church. I said, you are. What, you, what, what's your name? He said, yeah. He said, you know, you need to have an apostle. It should be over every church. And he says, the Lord told me I'm the apostle over this church. And I said, you are. I said, okay. And I said, um, I wouldn't do this today, but I was 30 years old. 30, I was 33. I wouldn't do this today. Uh, but my personality lends this way. But I just thought, you know, Pastor so-and-so told me, I said, what have I got to do to make this church? He says, you'll have to be tougher than hell. And I thought, and those words came up. I said, well, okay. I said, blah, blah, blah. I said, here's how we're going to know if you're the apostle of this church. He says, do what? I said, well, we need to, if you're the apostle, we need to know. He says, okay. I said, you and I are going to go outside here. We're in the basement. We're going to go outside the back of the church. And I said, and we're going to fight. He said, we're going to what? I said, we're going to fight. I said, you know, a, a pastor will lay down his life for the sheep. And I said, uh, so if you're come to take the sheep, I said, I'm going to kill you. And if they're yours, I guess you'll kill me. And then whoever's left will be the whatever's over. He said, man, I didn't come do that. I said, well, then get out. I said, you don't love these people not to fight? I said, you, you just down here want to eat our chocolate cake and eat our chicken dumps? Is that what you're here doing? And that Santa Claus suit? <laughs> <clears throat> he came and for several years became a church member. He finally worked his way up to being an usher. But see, he has just listened to lies and whatever. And I was... I was, would find a more tactful way of doing it now. But back then, I just thought, if it's a problem, shoot it in the head. <laughs> but it ended the problem. But I had to just shoot it in the head. Like, 
boom, now let's figure out the problem. <laughs> but it, it ended the problem. And so when the enemy comes to you and he's telling you lies, and he's saying, this is what your life's going to be like, I say, well, you couldn't tell me that because you, you didn't die for me. Because you're getting all the feelings of what your life's going to be like from here to then. Some days it don't feel good, right? I mean, sometimes you're thinking, I mean, what am I going to do? And how am I going to this? And how am I going to retire? And how am I going like this? And how am I going to do this? And all those are lies from the enemy talking through your senses. And you have to know it's the enemy. So all you have to do is just switch the conversation and say, well, you know, that's really none of your business. I mean, but let's talk about your future. <laughs> and then you just grab your Bible and you go back to Revelation. You know, you go to Revelation and you turn there and you say, wow. I would turn it just upside down. I go to Revelation, which is right there by the, before the book of Maps. And I said, look, over here it talks about God's going to send an angel. Oh, gosh, just one. Oh, he's, and he's coming for, oh, you. And he's going to lock you into a bottomless pit for a thousand years. That's a heck of a long time, Bubba. One, and just one angel. Just one angel can get the job, going to lock you in there for a thousand years. And we're going to be rid of you. Because the thought process is, what am I going to do? All the time, what am I going to do? So, so I say, after you're locked in for a thousand years, what's you going to do? <laughs> what you going to do? What you going to do? A thousand years. That's like a hundred, ten times. Have you ever thought about that? <laughs> what you going to do? <laughs> He's going to lock up you and your mama. <laughs> if you have one, what you going to do? And the more you do that, all of a sudden, all those things that he's feeding you, they'll just seem to go away. Yeah. You're like, this ain't going to work on him or her. Because you're going to turn around and tell him the truth. What you going to yeah. do? Yeah. We might have retitled this one, you know. But, so we don't want to, let's don't oppose ourselves. Walk in the spirit and you won't fulfill the lust, the strong desires of the flesh. Amen. Yeah. God bless you. Wednesday night, 7 o'clock, we're going to be here. We just put the tables out today for a different reason. And they'll be here Wednesday so we can, uh, we, we have a study guide on Wednesday. If you want to, if you don't have one come, we'll have one for you. We're, we're in a series on something. May last another three or four weeks. So y'all have a great day.